I've got three daughters. Um, I love my girls. I'm do you not, have any sons? I have. I do not. You're outnumbered. No, we we tried, struck out. Three strikes, you're out. And I was like, I'm, I can't, I can't try again. <laughs> you're like, uh, one more is a small army, and no, I think there are rules against that. I don't know. It just can't happen. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. You can hear everything okay? I do. You sound good. You sound good. Right there in my ear. Right there. I usually have mine like way hot, so I don't know how, how you are. I just know these headphones, the headphones have like less drivers, so they don't pound as much. They sound great, man. Sound good? Awesome. Well, Josh, man, thanks for coming on. I'm so glad we finally got Yo, to do this. I, I think great. I, I'm trying to think. Was it, you did an Easter service. I think, was that one of the first services where we kind of like connected? I think, yeah. Yeah. You came up to me and I, you're I like, did. you look real familiar. I it's was like. the Johnny Baker. Yeah. I was so, like, what? It was awesome. Yeah. We, you know, I've been following obviously you for a long time. Went to school with you where um in belfont and belfont no yeah i mean i think you what year did you graduate oh three okay as oh five we'll delete that we'll, we'll beep that uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i remember you and then uh just following your story just you know through How music i am now 36 so you were just a year younger than me yeah huh yeah uh, and we went to the same school where did you live uh walker meadows in zion no, no, okay, so no way. Uh, my mom, not whenever I was in high school, but after I, I was in uh, my undergrad here at Penn State, she actually bought a house out in Walker Meadows. She lived on Meadow Lane, 159 Meadow Lane, I think it's what so it was. One, we're 140 Meadow Lane. No way. So you really, yeah. I probably drove by you every time yeah. I was going on the way. You were on the left side whenever you the left side. go in, you make the right, and you wrap around the bend, you're on the left side? Yep. That's so funny. Yep, right past the cul-de-sac. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so wild. I mean, we were really close. I can't yeah. believe it. it's it's really funny how things work that way. Yeah, that close. And well, I mean, I wasn't there then, but uh, you know, even I'm sure you were there for a little bit after, right? Or uh, after school? Yeah. No, I went to I went to uh, college right after that. Then where'd you go to college? Uh, University of Valley Forge in Philly. Okay, gotcha. And that, hence the uh, you became a huge Eagles fan. Oh, was yeah. that beforehand? No, that was always. <laughs> that was yeah, always. You just revolt, man. I'm, I can't do the Steelers. Yeah, and, and it's funny because we live in this like perfect uh, split beginning middle area where it's like you were one or the other, and then you have these odds and ends Cowboys fans out there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just full of animosity. People just come after you. So <laughs> yeah, it's absurd, and, and it's all for something that like I mean, if you didn't support them, they wouldn't notice. But yeah. it's like when you do, it somehow like attaches to your being. It becomes a yeah. part of like what you do. It's so crazy because they'll they'll come after you like Steelers, Eagle fans. But uh, we go to Dallas every year for a conference. Okay. And, I, of course, I'm going to wear my Eagle stuff loud and proud. And, <laughs> just uh, to instigate. Yeah, just to instigate. And we took a tour of AT&T Stadium. Uh, oh, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys play. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's it, where they do the Cotton Bowl. Yes. And it was amazing. Like, but they couldn't have been nicer to us. Right. I'm That's like, Texas, I think. <laughs> 100%. But I'm like, I am more accepted in Dallas than I am in Center County. Wearing <laughs> wearing my eagle stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're you're too far from home for them to care. They're like this this man is not a real threat. Yeah, Let right. him show his fandom. That's right. Bless his heart. That's what yeah. That's the real Texan line. So true. So true. Um. So you said you. I don't understand. Like, how did you? I don't. Like, what circles did you run in? Like, did you know people that I knew or? So yeah, I'm trying to think. So I like I played sports, played baseball, football. Um. Like it was Andy Perryman a year older than you. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of who would I, I played Tony Torsell. Yeah, one of a really good friend. I played uh, like pee wee football with him yeah. a long, long time ago, 
And then uh, after I was in undergrad, he had that mishap with the drunk driving yeah. thing. And I haven't seen or heard from him since. And I remember that happened early enough in, I don't think I was 21 yet, or maybe I was 21. But I remember hearing about that and just being like, man, what a good person who is like just one one mistake. And yeah. like, I felt like I, I knew somebody so well who's, I felt like their life was upended. Not that that's not something that he had also done to another family, but Mm-hmm. It's just a real tragedy. I was like, man, what a what a person with so much promise and hope that's going to have like a, a totally different trajectory now because of, of just like a, yeah, you know, one night. Yeah. It was a Halloween, I remember. It was like a yeah. Halloween weekend. That's yeah. wild. D- just, you know, one mistake, you can see what happens. But I, I, I preach a message, uh, an illustrated message, where I come out in like a, a jumpsuit, prison jumpsuit, and it's his story. No and, way. Um, when do you do it? So I've done it just different churches. I've done it here uh, at our church uh, when I was the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it um, since I've been campus pastor, but I actually called him. And because I do it here, I didn't I didn't want people to be like, oh, man, that, I know that story. I know that story. And not have his consent just to talk about it. Right. But what an amazing guy. Like, yeah, man, truly. Not, he, I always, I always thought fondly of him. Yeah. And he was so, I mean, he was so kind and so gracious to me as I was sharing like, Hey man, would you mind like me doing this and sharing your story because it's redemptive and it's amazing. And he was so great. He's like, yeah, hundred percent do it. And so I just love, uh, he's doing amazing. So proud of him. Do you know, I, have you, I haven't heard much about him. What's he been doing? Yeah. So he, last time I talked to him, he, um, was an instructor out in Colorado, um, having a baby. Um, good for him yeah. man i want to reconnect with him now this is like i haven't said i probably haven't spoken his name in probably like more than a dozen years now because i mean it really was truly it was so long ago now yeah uh man does time fly it does uh but yeah i would love to reach back out to him and see where his life path has taken him because i should have him on because he really was a really brilliant human being and oh yeah yeah my claim to fame with tony and we have like a love hate relationship Oh, yeah, those we are did the best. play football together, and in practice, I grabbed his jersey and threw him and broke his collarbone. Oh, no. And so not only was he mad, the coach was mad, right. everybody was mad. I'm just, you know. Public enemy number one for yeah, a little while. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, it is what it is. So the premise of my podcast, uh, Collab or Die, was centered around this idea of like the importance of collaboration in just sort of every way, and the artist sense and in the entrepreneurial sense and where those lines are kind of like where they come to where things those concepts come together and with you i'd started to think a lot about my upbringing i was raised uh catholic and so up until probably my when my parents divorced i was like i mean i i like going to midnight mass and i Mm -hmm. you know i was baptized and uh, my grandmother, she went to Bishop Guilfoyle in Altoona, so she was she was really Catholic. And uh, m- my family, I feel like, had a really loose relationship with God in that sense. And so it was really hard for me. Like, I mean, I fully, fully believe. And, and then my parents get divorced. And then not just them, but, like, my grandparents get divorced. Like, mm. way like way after when you were, like, 30-plus years into a, a marriage, I wow. just didn't expect it. And, and so I had a real, like, upending of my family. And around the same time... I got pretty heavily into martial arts, and my instructors um, were either Taoist or Buddhist. And so I'm like, all right, well, what's to that? Because I'm having this like falling out with God at the time, and uh, I start doing 
my research and reading and, uh, and it's kind of baked into the philosophy of the martial arts world as well in a lot of ways. And so it kind of like, that's where my path kind of took me. And, and so I guess where I, I, just to like sum up a long story short, the end of it, I've sort of become this like universalist. And a lot of that came from a lot of the material that I was reading. Um, there's this Vietnamese uh, monk who passed away. I think it's been a few years now, but uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And he had this book that really helped me as I was transitioning towards Buddhism to, <laughs> you know, abscond and escape from the Catholic guilt. <laughs> it was like, that yeah. made Christianity so hard for me to like kind of want to gravitate towards. And uh, he wrote this book, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And then I think he had a, an addendum book to that later that was like uh, Jesus and Buddha as brothers. And what I really liked about it, just to sort of like, jump back into that collaboration side of things was how he presented, like, aside from the theism aspect of Christianity, the core values of, you know, seeking mindfulness and being compassionate and living in the moment. Like, that's why I love being able to go to your sermons. Cause I feel like if you, even if you took like the theist side of things out of the, the messaging, those stories are still, omnipresent for most people's lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think, can you, I remember specifically really, really loving this past week's uh, service. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was wondering if you could remind me what it was about, because it was a, not what it was about. I, I was definitely there yeah, for yeah. it. I was lucid and awake <laughs> for the whole thing, I promise. Uh, I'm like the guy on, uh, you surely, you know, on stage left when you're trying to get a reaction from people. I'm the guy on the far left side. I was like, hey, it's me. <laughs> I love that. But like, I mean, to me too, because like that's, Crowd participation at its finest, right? That's right. Not disruptive, but like engaged. That's right. And uh, but the service was really, really good. And there were a few messages you touched on, and I wish I had written them down. Uh, everybody I was with is like on their phones, like typing down things as they go as the slides come up. That's that's a hope. And not I, on Facebook, really, really, and, and it, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But that's good. That's good that in their their practice of religion that they're like. We do you know, so much for your phones and, and and not in a good way, right? Yeah. And so yeah. this is like one of these redeeming qualities. Like, That's oh, right. I've got this digital notepad that I can just type everything down and it is there for me to remember later. 100%. But if you could just like kind of briefly walk me through like the, the core message, I guess, of what this past week's was about. Yeah. Because it really resonated with me. Like, I, I got to say, like, to me, going to church was like not great when I was younger because going to church meant either my parents were fighting and this was the salve for that wound for mm -hmm. everybody or... Uh, it was a holiday yeah, and there was almost no in between. And so it's like, <laughs> it's really hard to gravitate close towards a religion when, when that's your, your sort of like connection to it, especially as a child. It's like, you're, you're already like bewildered by the magic of it all, but it's hard to gravitate towards it in a really genuine way. If you don't really have a, a strong understanding of your connection to it. Yeah. So, so this past week's service, I remember just sitting there and being like, damn, that was real. I like audibly said aloud to everybody I was with. I was like, damn, that's that line right there is mm. money. Wow. No, that's so good. Yeah. We've been in, uh, an eight week series, um, all on Hebrews 11 Yeah. and, uh, just the idea of faith. And so I was excited cause my favorite, you know, I have a lot of favorites, but, uh, one of my favorites is Gideon and that's Gideon, who we talk yeah. about. Yeah. And so Gideon, just a total underdog story. And that's what's so great, you know, about some of these stories that are relatable. Like we've yeah. been an underdog in one point in our life or another. Uh, I've been an underdog. I'm sure you've been an underdog. Oh, I'm singing the underdog alma mater <laughs> till the day I die, most likely. Um, I enjoy the, that uh, that uphill battle sometimes. Yeah, but it was just, you know, I love the story 
of Gideon. You know, he was not the one that anybody would pick. You know, right? And uh, you know, I've been that person, especially like <laughs> basketball. Yeah, I'm dodgeball like, in gym class. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. No, nobody wants Josh when it comes to basketball, and so you know, we've been picked last. Gideon was picked last, and uh, you know, had so many things thrown his way to really push him from his destiny. And, right. uh, and so, so many times I feel like even in our own lives, if things don't fall in place, then we feel like mm, that can't be for me. Right. Right. Like that's, if it was for me, things would fall into place. And what I found out is that like, we, that's so we seldom grow. the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. And we grow and we, and we get strong in adversity and True. like, and that's what Gideon was experiencing in those moments when, you know, he started out with 32,000 men and then went down to 10,000 and then went to 300 and but the beauty of it is that he didn't get the glory at the end and so like it was just this total god story it's one of my most favorite stories in all the bible because it, it, the story just gets crazier and crazier right like, right right it's more absurd at each turn yeah and so at least at the end like you're like okay he's going to have like this machine gun or something crazy <laughs> right Zack Snyder's directing it yeah, yeah it's got you know it's Leonidas from 300 is showing it's up like that's 100%. how they're going to animate it yeah i mean even they had better weapons than Gideon <laughs> right. um who faced uh an army that was outnumbered 450 to 1 for each person and they did it with a trumpet and this jar. Uh, <laughs> right. And so, uh, but it's just such an unbelievable story and just unbelievable people in the Hebrews 11, just just total faith stories. But the idea was, the, the overarching message between all of it for the last eight weeks has been sort of like uh, extreme faith. Like yeah. really like in the face of adversity. And to me, like that is dogma aside is like one of the most important things you can learn as a human being is to really like embrace it, adversity. I mean, like I would say neurologically, the stress effects that most of what life has on people's, you know, bodies and their minds and, you know, depression is rampant, suicide is rampant. Like it's really, really hard to persevere sometimes, but the power of perseverance is really never, I guess, sort of something that blesses you with, uh, you know, a lot of insight until hindsight comes into play. Yeah. And then you see, like, when you look back with the benefit of hindsight, it's really easy to be like, wow, if I'd given up here, then this never would have happened. 100%. And then if I if I just decided to go to this party instead of going to the gas station and getting a lottery ticket and going home or what, you know, whatever yeah. the odds and ends events of, of life are, it's, it's just a, it was a really good message. And man, like I said, like preaching the underdog alma mater my whole life, like it, I have had my bouts with it just like everybody else has. Mm -hmm. And that's, I guess that's sort of what I love so much about it is that I knew that it surely had to have resonated with a bunch of other people too. Mm. But yeah, it was a really, really powerful, uh, you know, I say, I want to say lecture, but it was, you know, it was, it was yeah, a great yeah. sermon. And I, I really, I don't know if you call them sermons. I don't know if yeah. that's like the, the etymology that I'm supposed to be using, but yeah. But it was so good. Like you had just said, I mean, it, somebody once said like that, the setback was the setup. For, yeah, for what God's that's about a great to do. way to put it. And you know those those setbacks are those things that again we just look at. We're like, oh, this can't be God. But then you fast forward so many years, maybe even in your own life, and you're just like, if I would have quit there, yeah, I never would have gotten to this point. And that's why this whole series for me has been so good. Even though I've I've read over this, read through the Bible, can't tell you how many times. You know, I know about faith, but at the end of the day, like the results are not up to to me. Right. Like they're up to God. Like God will fight the battle, but like it's up to me to have faith in the process that 
like God's not done with me. And, uh, and so that's what I've loved about it. You know, the Bible says if we have faith, uh, the size of a mustard seed that we can move mountains. And so like, even if I have some faith and that's why, you know, what you just shared just resonates with me, you know, with suicide, people get to this place where they have nothing left and they feel like they've, they have nowhere to run. Um, but it's, it's that faith that holds us on. Yeah. I had a good friend of mine, Chris, um, who also lived in Walker Meadows, actually, when I was doing my undergrad, he had had some bouts with some jail time from like, I think DUIs or maybe possession or something like that. And, but otherwise like a hardworking dude, filial piety to the max, like was really always concerned. He has, I don't think his father was very prevalent in his life. And so he was kind of at a young age, made the man of the house and like one of the strong uplifters of his family, loves his sisters, super protective. Like he and I hated each other when we were kids because his uh, sister Stephanie and I were in theater together. Mm. And so we have to do like, you know, theater and drama and stuff yeah. together. I used to, we used to do these things called the melodramas where we would like, everybody would come on, we would do these short skits and uh, everybody's got a bag of peanuts. And so you've got everybody from the audience just trying to like pelt you and you're making these big gestures <laughs> where you're like, let me hold my hat out and just talk for a few minutes so people can sit there and try to like beeline that hat from, you know, 40 <laughs> yards away with a, you know, two peanut packed shell. And, uh, and so he and I did not get along at all because he was kind of like a thug and he ran with a crowd that was like not sort of the crowd that I was into at all. I was, I mean, I didn't do any, hadn't done any drugs. I didn't really drink or anything like that until I was basically of age. And and then even then I, I like, Knock on wood, I know I'm blessed and fortunate to have never had any like long-term problems with addiction or anything like that. Mm. And uh, and so we met later in life and we were at uh, Cutco. We were at this like demonstration for buying and selling knives. And like <laughs> when you're, man, when you need money, there's nothing that looks better to you than a pyramid scheme. Like, man, I can't wait to make all this money yeah. they're talking about. Turns out that's not how it works. And uh, I basically just showed up and I had to pay for my first set of knives to be able to do demonstrations. So they got their money out of me. <laughs> then you realize, oh, this lady's got 12 people in here that all just spent $168 on this knife set. So I guess I got to get to her position. How do I do that? Oh, I got to sell several thousand dollars. I got to basically have a mortgage ready and right. knife sales to be able to. Crazy. Uh, and so I was also at the time I was uh, waiting tables at Outback Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. And uh, he needed a job and he was like, if I put in an application where you like put a good word in for me. And I mean, we didn't know each other like that at all at this point. My last interactions with him were not great, <laughs> but uh, he was in the middle of like a DUI license suspension. And so we had ended up working together and he would close and I would close together because I was, I was touring a lot. Like basically Outback was great for me because I could leave for three months for a tour, come back and pick up yeah. my clothes shifts and be right back in it making money. And, uh, and so we got really close. I was living in my mom's basement at the time. And uh, when it was like, you know, my early 20s and still right. socially acceptable-ish. That's, that's <laughs> and, right. And so was he. And so we just, we worked together a lot. We grew really, really close. And then um, I moved away for a girl. I moved to St. Louis and he was having a rough patch and uh, he'd gotten his license back and he, he got this apartment where the rent was a little too high and he he made some choices that I was worried about whenever I was getting ready to move. And long story short, he did end up committing suicide eventually. Mm. Um, and it was more because he just never wanted to go back to jail, which is like not that that that's like a whole other conversation about the topic of like, you know, incarceration and, yeah. and how we really rehabilitate people that are in need. But 
um, I remember just being devastated because like, this is like, I have, I remember his dreams. So now I carry his dreams with me in my mind thinking like, man, he's never gonna own that casino on that cruise line that he always wanted to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, you know, when you have these very tangible goals and dreams and you share them with somebody in a very vulnerable and intimate place, we used to get like, he would get drunk and I would drive him home, uh, cause he couldn't drive. And I would like the way we would mess with each other was just talking about who would kick whose ass if we ever, if it ever came to it, if it ever came to it, like I was like, bro, you don't want this smoke. Like if I, if I light you up, it'll be like a cigar. You just, you'll just disappear into a cloud of smoke. That's how bad I'm going to hurt you. And he would just be, I like just, oh, oh, just get him going. And those were like, I just had all these really amazing memories with him. He became a really close friend and then he was just gone too soon. And I, all I could remember thinking was like, man, it's not like his life was a waste of life because I've certainly carried him with me for a really long time and mm. uh, have been able to turn that around through you know my art and music yeah in a lot of ways and in multiple songs over the last decade you know and and he passed away in 2012 mm. so like as I'm coming up on this er, as we just passed his 10 year anniversary this year uh, you know I, I think a lot about that and I I think that it's like I think it's so important to have faith period. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you don't have it and you, that's, you need it the most whenever you're in that underdog position where things are yeah. not working out for you. And you were like, I wish he could have seen like, yeah, man, you're going to have to go to jail for driving your car drunk and mm -hmm. flipping it and illegally passing an ambulance. And, and then, you know, having a gun on you when you're not supposed to, and mm -hmm. a bunch of things, but it's like, I wish he had known how much more valuable he was he was here and alive than gone. Because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, and, and now I really, I mean, that particularly makes me want to touch base with Tony again because, you know, I saw that same kind of promise in him. Yeah. And that's somebody who, you know, didn't give up on himself and, and found the faith. I mean, I'm sure he had a lot of time to think in, you know, jail. And I just, I mean, I, I just really wish that there was a way you could re reach out and save everybody who's having that problem. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's one, it's too abundant right now. I don't think COVID helped at all. No, certainly not. And then, no. uh, you know, inflation and stuff aside, like it can be really depressing if you don't, we don't teach kids to really kind of pursue their dreams. We teach them to take a test and then we teach them to get out there and join the workforce and mm. contribute. And yeah. it's like, but that speaks nothing to the passions of people that, you know, really need to be incentivized and sparked in yeah. ways that can kind of like invigorate their imagination. Cause I think most people don't realize what they're capable of. And you're yeah. somebody who I think fully has realized what you're capable of. Cause you have this, you're like an impact player. That was like, I think that was like one of the things you were saying this week is like, that's a real impact player. Like, oh yeah. 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 You know, we, we, um, we talked about Pat Tillman. Yeah. And, you know, the, and that's, the a, linebacker. that's a great one. Yeah. And just, you know, you talk about some unbelievable impact players, but, you know, they all walked this life then by faith. You know, Pat Tillman left $13.5 million to take $18,000 as an Army Ranger. Like, that's faith. Yeah. You know, I, that'd be faith on my part. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I, um, I better be doing the right thing. I better believe it, too. Like, that's right. You, you better have, um, you better have faith and that moment um but that's why again when we go back to that that series and that scripture that we were we were using this whole time is that we walk by faith and not by sight because so many times like it doesn't look good what's going on around us it doesn't feel good but yet we walk by faith that it's going to get better yeah 
I think people have that uh, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them mentality, which I think in this kind of case does not apply because <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's it, it almost strictly can't abide by that because it doesn't play by that same set of rules. But really, it's like I mean, I have I feel blessed to have accomplished the things that I've accomplished in my life. And I still look at them as small. I don't know how you are with like accomplishments, but I don't often take time in the moment oh, to yeah, sit yeah. down and be like, man, I can't believe I did that. I'm, 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 that's been my practice in life lately is to not just be mindful of it, but grateful for it. Yeah. And gratitude, man, is that has been my biggest game changer uh, in the last decade of my life. Like I lost my guitar player, Aaron, at the beginning of 2021. Uh, unexpectedly, we were making music and he was a truly prolific guitar player and absolutely amazing songwriter. And one of my absolute, he's a brother. He was a brother. Mm. Like you don't fight like we fought unless you're brothers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just look at when I, I gave it, you know, a eulogy at his funeral and, and I just, all I could really remember is that I was just grateful to be born in the same window of time where he was. So I could share this space with him and just see the magic of his ability to create yeah and aaron's name like means bringer of light so like he really kind of restored a lot of my creative faith in myself because he he allowed me to be he was such a purist and he was really really hard on me but he also was really willing to allow me to be vulnerable and like try yeah. something like that doesn't work and here's why and like he yeah. had the explanation for it and i so i grew so much as a musician and you know and in eight to nine years of being in a band with him and and now he's gone and now it's like really really hard that's yeah. uh you know fentanyl is a huge problem so it's like mm -hmm. i it's hard not to see why people would be depressed and and be checking out early but it's like man there's got to be a way to to work yeah. it into people's lives to to find yeah. find that faith well and what i thought what you just said was so good we um we've we've been doing a study with our guys at our at our campus and um just just guys coming together and one of the things that we encouraged them to do was like set a goal for your day um go out and just smash it accomplish it but then what we do is is we just move on and we get set a new goal we smash it set a new goal and smash it but the biggest thing we need to do is reflect and yeah. just like take a moment and just like applaud ourselves but then also what it does is it just reminds us like what we're capable of and then how how blessed we are like right. of all the things that we've got like we're celebrating those wins because they accumulatively they just keep adding up and adding up but all we ever do is just set goals and go do them set goals and go do them that we get into this habit that we're never able to look back and just give thanks right and reflect on what we've done like that's a huge part of our day and what it takes to get you there yeah i mean like a, a big part for me like i remember the we just played Indonesia in 2018, 2019. And I, we had this intro track that Aaron actually made while we were in our like flat that they gave us. They treated us like the Ro the Rolling Stones. It was great. That's and, awesome. and he, you know, and Aaron was the one who said that. And I it stuck with me because he used to always say like, you know, you and me, we're Mick and Keith, like we're, we're the Rolling Stones. Like this is this, wow. that's who we are in our group. And so I, I've really cherished that connection with him because he really kind of empowered me in that regard. But so we're walking out on stage and there's this like minute and 40 second intro just to like give – it was a huge convention center uh, festival. So like you want people to hear that new music's playing. It sounds interesting. There's horns and all kinds of like – it's just super, super epic. 
And uh, I mean, when he played it for me and he made it, I was like, you just couldn't listen to him. You're like, get the fuck out of here. Like that came out of your brain. Like symphonies were in his mm. brain. That's truly how I felt about him. And so a minute and a half goes by and, uh, you know, first 15 seconds, the drummer walks out and he's, you know, plugging in his ears and checking his drums real quick. Just a few little taps to make sure he's comfortable where everything is. And uh, Aaron goes out and then uh, my bass player, Nick, another one. of my, I mean, they're all my brothers. And Nick goes out and he steps in his place and I know where I'm supposed to come in during our set. But after everybody was out there and I had the time to look and I had time to look out behind the blinders and see the crowd, I was like, I can't believe that like this pursuing this when there were plenty of opportunities to give up right. for sure. Right. Landed me, you know, however many thousand miles on the other side of the globe. And I, yeah. I remember having, that was like, that's probably the most prominent memory that I have in recent years that kicked off the my arc of gratitude for just being able to get the things done that I did. It's, yeah. it's hard when you feel like comparison is what it really is. That's like oh, the yeah, death yeah. of, you know, pride in your accomplishments is being like, well, I did this, but this guy's YouTube channel has so many, yeah. uh, and my, I don't have that many followers and man, I just really like their music just a little bit more than I like mine, which could be a critique on like me and my artist journey. Yeah. And, uh, that's like the, the hardest thing to overcome is like, you don't have to, celebrate your accomplishments next to somebody else's you can that's right celebrate uh, like the little wins like hey i got up and i made my bed it's like that should not be the goal for you to feel like that's your accomplishment but if that's all you can get out of the day like man please hold on to that because that's better than just feeling like you haven't done anything yeah yeah and there's you know it's that comparison trap of like hey i want to be that person but you know we've always said as well like god god can't bless somebody you pretend to be like if i pretend to be johnny baker <laughs> i've never like, heard it that way but i um, love that but I, i'll never be johnny baker like I, i'm just not that cool i wouldn't wish that i on can't anyone. <laughs> I, I can't play guitar can't sing like that um but you know one person said this too like i can appreciate your calling but i gotta walk in mine like yeah. God's blessed me different than he's blessed you or, or anybody else. And so like, you know, when you're not you, the world misses out. Like when there's yeah. only one Johnny Baker, there's only one Josh. And so like God's put me on this planet for a certain reason and a certain calling. And it's not to be Johnny Baker as cool as he is, and as cool as his tattoos and right. like as cool of his music. Like I just can't do that. And so I can appreciate the artistry. I can appreciate just the tattoos and, and just the awesome things. But like, I got to walk in what God's called me to do. And I think that the, the, the power in that to me from my mindset has been like, I I've always wanted to help. And so it's like, well, how, how can I help? Yeah. And it's like, well, I could go and do these other things that a bunch of other people have done. And that's a, that's a path, right? That, that's a trajectory. But for me, I was like, I don't know if I ever want to work a nine to five. I think I'd rather be miserable and have like <laughs> not as much money as I love or, you know, happy and not have as much money than I love than miserable and have all the money in the world. Mm -hmm. And so like, for me, if all I can do is maybe, I feel like I'm very, uh, an observation oriented person. Like I, I do a lot of self-reflecting and, uh, in my conversations with people, I feel like that's what I enjoy the most is finding out what our similarities are and where we where we really truly cross over and connect together. And and sometimes like I've I've always been in high school, I was the a peer mediator. So when two kids had a problem in school, I was a kid who sat down with them in the middle <laughs> who awesome. was like, and, and I, what would possess somebody like to at 15 years old to want to do that? But I remember it. <laughs> I remember having a lot of good conversations with two people that I was like, I know you both. Like, this is ridiculous, right? Can we agree that this is ridiculous under yeah. all of these grounds that we can both agree are ridiculous? 
And, uh, you know, and so that was like maybe my first foray into it. And then I did like child development courses and things like that. So I love working with like kids, like toddlers. Like that's my age range of like my favorite demographic are the kids who like know how to speak and have a very simplified understanding of the world around them. (laughs) Put me in that place all day. I'm like, oh, that is crazy. Because you can learn from that because we kind of get in our own way when it comes to assessing things sometimes. You get these preconceived notions and feelings that kind of bubble up because we've got all this experience kind of not necessarily clouding our judgment, but definitely helping us make decisions for us that we maybe aren't as conscious of. But kids don't have that. It's like, yep, this is what I see. What do you? How do you feel about that? It's like, that's a really powerful thing. And I think to me, that was another step that kind of was helpful because then it was like, oh yeah, like if insofar as I can listen to this, you know, <laughs> three or four year old tell me his understanding of the world around him or even Santa Claus. Yeah. Like, it's great to be like, man, that's, that's powerful. And that's Love like when that. your imagination, I feel like is the strongest. Yeah. But later in life, when it becomes more real, like your, you know, so your friends' parents are getting divorced, and uh, you know your, you know your mom's coworker that you were also close with passes away, or something like that. Those are real situations in life where you have to kind of just be present and there yeah. for somebody. And if they want to talk to you and they want you to, they want to hear what you have to say. Sometimes you can you can hear in the words that somebody is choosing to say that they're not processing things in maybe a healthy way, and so. In so far as I have some healthy habits that I've built into myself, I'm like, why don't you, uh, instead of like stressing this, why don't you like take a step back and just think about these things? Because it's really easy to get caught into me, me, me all the time. Yeah. And surely I'm guilty of it. <laughs> like, I don't uh, hesitate to say that for a second, but you want to help people find a, these places of peace. And I think like mindfulness as a Christian and as a Buddhist practice alike, I mean, they doesn't matter where you come from. If you can be mindful and present and here and just sort of like in each moment, it's way easier to sort of process than it is if you're trying to think two, 10 steps ahead of the thing that you have no control over. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the other thing that frustrates people is right. Like you, when you have this dream and this is where I'm supposed to be and like, I can't believe we haven't sold this many units and, and this many records. It's like, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> like it's never been how it works and don't know where you got it in your head that it is, but it's yeah. never going to pan out like that. And so, for me, a big part of my artist journey was learning how to get back to a place of, okay, I need to be mindful that I just am where I am and take in what's here instead of trying to mm. think about where all the things are that I'm not. Yeah. And I feel like your position, I'm sure you can speak to this, like you you do a lot of talking to people mm-hmm. like you, on a one-on-one level. And I appreciate that because it's not easy to do. So like it's really the skill and gift that like, goes unaccredited, I think more often than not, but if you can truly connect with people and you can, I've seen you do it, like you do it with anybody, that's powerful because you can help that way. That's how you help. Yeah. And, and I think it's just important for people to figure out what their, their place here is. I think some people are helpers. Some people are, they forge new territories in this way and that, but I mean, I've always likened myself to being a helper and, and I'm happy to have that role and I've chosen to do it through music and art and you know, media and production and audio and, you know, video and photo and everything, but it's, it doesn't manifest like that in everybody. And I would never like, I'm sure you're yeah. in worst critic. Like I don't look at me and think like, man, I'm so cool. I've done all these things. I'm like, man, I'm nowhere near where I want to be yet, <laughs> but that's good. That's the fuel, right? In yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I love what you had said about that. Like I've got three, I've got three daughters. Um, I love my girls. I'm do you not, have any sons? I have, I do not. You're outnumbered. No, we, we tried, struck out. Three strikes, you're out. And I was like, I'm, I can't, I can't try again. <laughs> you're like, uh, one more is a small army, and no, I think there are rules against that. I don't know. It just can't happen. Um, but you know, I, mean, I love, I love. Uh, no, 
No pets. Okay. No. So no female pets too. No. You get we, like a, a girl cat and a girl dog. Bro, and that's it. We have tried, <laughs> we, you know, we tried the guinea pig, you know, the hermit crabs, just like the elementary animals. And uh, my girls have proven they can't take care of them. Um, <laughs> Not like in a sociopathic kind of way, but like, in no, a- <laughs> just like, you know, clean that or do something with that, right. you know, just, uh, which my wife and I just end up doing. But like, I just, I do genuinely love people, but you know, the, Jesus said that unless you have this childlike and like this faith, this childlike faith, why? Because like when you just said it, like kids, they don't know what they don't know. Like everything is up, like anything, <laughs> they, any, they can do anything they want. But like, I remember when I was a kid, like I just come to that word imagination, like the, the imagination is an all time high, like Legos are not just Legos. Like yeah. it, it's whatever you want it to be. They're building blocks to a whole new universe. Yeah, <laughs> like my girls, their Barbies. Like it's not just a Barbie. Like it's life. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we we lose though as adults. Like we lose that imagination. Like be, you know, again, we walk by faith and not by sight. If I don't see it, I can't have it. I can't experience it. But it's the imagination. It's sometimes seeing things, and that's what I love about you is in your creativity. And I've seen your music videos and I watched, I went back, uh, probably around Easter, like when we met, cause I'm like, is that Johnny? That was Johnny Baker. Um, and you're, you're like redoing these songs that, yeah. that are, that have been done like millions of times, like some of the most iconic songs. And I'm listening to you and you're doing them in a way that I've never, like no one's ever sang these songs like that. Like it was just imagination. It's doing things outside the box. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's what you do too. Like, you know, we don't know sometimes the gift that God has given us. Other people may see it and like people see that in you, that creativity, that imagination to just do things that aren't being done. That's super hard for me to accept sometimes because we get a lot of like messages. People are like, hey, like this song you wrote really helped me in a rough spot. Or uh, I really love how, I mean, there we get this comment lately where it's like people that are, liking and subscribing to stuff. And they're like, oh, I was here before they had so many subscribers. Like they feel like they got in early That's on right. something. I'm like- <laughs> They're the OG. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But for me, like a song is just like an idea. It's it's an expression and it's just one expression. You hear, you know, Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill song like that was popularized by Stranger Things. Like, and then everybody in the scene of music covered it and did it their own way. And uh, to me, I don't know. I just, I listen to things. I'm like, well, I like what they did with that, but I can pick out, like, I only like that they did that first verse that way. I could leave the rest of the song. Yeah. This is good. And so for me, and for, I guess for us in Relic Hearts, it's like, we need to find how we would express this. Like, what are we feeling? What, what you know, rhythm or pattern really kind of lends itself to this in a way that really speaks to us. And I mean, I, I'm that, like, another way I'm blessed is I, I've got dudes that have faith in me and trust me in our process to like guide us. And, and we all like equally contribute, yeah. like nobody's yeah. pulling more weight than another. And th- it's like, th- it, I don't know if you've ever tried, I mean, surely you have try to get all three of your daughters and your wife on the same schedule to do one thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like wrangling cats. It's like good luck. It's a nightmare. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to have four dudes in a band with me that, uh, you know, are dedicated enough. And I'm like, Hey, we're going to get together and shoot this video. And, and we have remote studios so we can all kind of track and do our things separately and then come together and, and then kind of fine tune things and then get them ready for release and then shoot the video. And then I edit all the videos, shoot all the videos. And, uh, it's amazing, but it's, but it's like, 
that got to a point where I was like, this sucks. Like, where's the magic white hand that comes in from the sky and picks us <laughs> up and does this? And, and so as an artist, I lost love for the journey. And that's like the part you can't, you have to love the process. Yeah. And if you don't love the process because you're waiting for the result, I hate to tell you, you're up shit creek without a paddle because mm. like you can't predict what the outcome is going to be. Like we, our first song that we released was a cover, um, Royals. And it like, it went, we had a friend who, Brady, who he will 100% attest to this. He bet us that he, or he didn't bet. He said uh, for every like, 20 or 50,000 views or whatever you get, I'll buy a case of beer. Well, we were like a hundred thousand in the first week. And he was like, all right, we're going to have to cap this at a certain number because I'm not buying you beer in perpetuity. And it was like the first thing we released. And it was a really funny sort of like happenstance. That's like another memory that I'm like, that's pretty funny. Like I I would love to, that's the first time I've ever really told that story actually. (laughs) But a really funny, you know, occurrence that took place at the beginning of, uh, you know, that was more than a decade into doing music, but, you know, Relic Hearts was a new foray for all of us and a rebrand and a restructuring of our idea. Like, I, we got tired of doing the pop punk thing and we were getting older and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. I met all my idols. I was like mm. doing Warp Tour. I'm touring. I'm sitting in front of Burt McCracken from the used bus talking to him about his addiction problems. Like, I have a really interesting question for you. Like, I'm sure you've probably talked this to death and I'm just like, the absolute punisher of a fan who was there just asking the nitty, like I'm asking like so good the though. meanest questions. Like in hindsight, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have asked. Maybe he wasn't comfortable answering that or this, that, and the other thing. But Taking Back Sunday wrote us this really sweet note and gave us $500 cash wow. for gas money to get home from Warp Tour in the last day in 2012. Wow. And uh, yeah, like I just like all these bands that I grew up with, Newfound Glory, they're they were giving us their drum heads for Dirk so that, cause they only play them like once or twice and then <laughs> their drum deck switches them. He's like, yeah. yeah. So we, we kept one. We had him sign one. So we've got like all this kind of crazy memorabilia and these dudes that really took good care of us, like less than Jake, ska band. I wasn't a big ska fan almost ever in my life, probably. But those guys turned that around to me a little bit cause they're, you know, they're all like dirty uncles, but cool. And yeah. they were so nice to us and they took such good care of us. And so I feel like when we, we got to, I was like, you know what? That shifted my perspective on what music had to be. Yeah. I was like, I don't, we don't have to play this game the way it sucks to be trying to fight to get a manager and to try to get this agent to want you. And we just weren't getting any of the offers we liked. So we just regrouped and redid something new and we weren't afraid to start over and not try to take all of our previous fans with us. We were like, the real fans are going to find us. They're going to know that it's us. I don't want to beg them and have them come. So like Relic Hearts really kind of felt like a standalone, uh, you know, a standing point where I was like, we're going to hold our ground on this. And, those people are going to come or they're not going to come with us. And either way, that's okay. Yeah. But we need to do more music that is more authentically true to us. So good. Do you pick, uh, do you like pick what you're going to preach about every week? Or is it like you have sort of like a, because of freedom of life, I don't know if they have like a, an infrastructure in place where like, we want to focus on these things. Cause obviously there's like graphics packages you guys get. You yeah. guys are pretty forward thinking when it comes to like the tech aspect. Yeah. But as far as churches go, like, it's a, I'm so glad that that's the direction that church is going. Cause that's the only way it's going to reach people. Cause yeah. like you need people to like, there were days where it was cold during the pandemic or whatever. We could just turn in, tune in and watch a live stream. Yeah. That's, that's great. Now I don't have to go and I can still get it, you yeah. know? but it's like, obviously like for me, I'm lucky enough that I, I go with a family that loves to go every Sunday. Yeah. And I've always been like a big person on like ritual, like things that become like habit forming and are, yeah. are sort of like able to more, positively reinforce those things in your life. And right. so 
for me, like church was like kind of like a bad word for a while because I was mm. like, oh, this is going to be boring, especially Catholic church. Like I, I'm a hundred percent not trying to knock them, but it's a lot of singing and a lot of stuff that like when I don't know the words and I'm like five or six years old, that punished me. That felt like punishment to be a church. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that shouldn't be how it is. And with you, it's very conversational. And so I enjoy that. So I, I, I have always been curious, like, do you pick the, you know, the, the sermons or like the, the direction that you want to go every week? Cause the yeah. storytelling I'm sure is hundred percent up to you. Yeah. 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 And that's funny. You know, a lot of that is, is just my ADD too. Like I, I, I'm like, yeah, that's probably what helps um, actually. My, my ADD and ADHD to the max, uh, can, can be my greatest blessing and worst strain, uh, I guess worst curse I have. Um, but no, so we are, we're one church, many locations and I'm, I'm the, the campus pastor at our center County location. And, uh, and so our lead pastor, uh, comes with, you know, some ideas. We come with some ideas. Um, you know, we're going to be talking That's right like now. Monday. Uh, yep. Monday mornings. Okay. We all get together, uh, as a staff and there's probably 40 of us Damn. all together across all of our campuses. That's a lot. Yeah. We have, you know, it's a large, large growing church and, um, and we meet as campus pastors. We go over some things that maybe we feel like, hey, I really feel like our church could uh, could benefit from this. So, like, we're going to talk about marriage uh, in February, right? It's Valentine's. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're yeah, go yeah. After. But, like, we recognize, like, marriages are going through some, some tough stuff. And so, yeah. like, we want to address some problems. And so, to make a long story short, like, we, uh, we get, like, a structure. And so, with Hebrews chapter 11... Um, we knew who we wanted to talk about, but the points I can come up with, whatever those, whether those stories or some of the personal things that I feel like those are all up to us. So we have a, we have a kind of a springboard to jump from. Yeah. Um, and then it's up to campus pastors to run from there. Do you find it difficult to sort of jump in? I feel like you can't buy if with this ADD brain, this yeah, yeah. neurodivergent brain of ours. Uh, you, I can't imagine you do have a difficult time thinking like, oh, if that's what we want to talk about this week, <laughs> I got the story for oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been amazing because a lot of people are like, well, don't you just want to teach what you want? I'm like, dude, I would just be running around the pool. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> some, someone's got to put the diving board there for me to jump off of because, like, I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'll just go. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. So I, I just love, you know, one, I love the Bible. Uh, I know that it transforms people, and not me. And so I just go with, you know, who I am as a person. And I've tried, like we had talked about before, I've tried to be like other speakers. And it didn't work. In what way? Uh, maybe, you know, try to... Copy mannerisms? Yeah, either copy mannerisms, maybe try to um, be a little bit more stern or sometimes be a little bit more comedy. But at the end of the day, like, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm... God called me here. He didn't call these other people. And right. So, like, I'm going to be myself and so it just found that sweet spot for me and what works. And it's not for everybody. Yeah, but in, in so far as it may not be for everybody, I find you always to be very unapologetically, authentically you. Mm. Like your 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 preaching style is very you, and I think that's why it connects. Like it's it's that church is very lucky to have you in that mm. regard. Cause I feel like nobody could do it like you do it. And, no, that, and I'm yeah, sure that's weird that's, to hear, but like No, and I and I so appreciate it. And it's been it has been a an incredible, incredible journey over the last five years. So is that um, when you became the pastor for this campus? Yeah. So I came uh, came here from another church uh, five years ago, and I came um, as the youth pastor 
and the worship pastor. Okay. And so uh, my jobs were just hanging with students, uh, sharing Jesus with them, loving them, going to events, hanging out, you know, diving into their lives. Students are going through some crazy stuff now. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, it seems like an eternity. I've been out of school, but everything has changed. Yeah. And so... I, I don't think we'd recognize it if we went back. No, no. And the, I mean, even things my daughter... Yeah, I just turned 13 yesterday. Okay. And just the things that she goes through, I'm like, I just went through that yesterday. Like, yeah, like how I'm are like, you going how through is, that? How's that possible? Um, but it, so that was an incredible opportunity. I was a youth pastor for about 12 years altogether at different churches. Um, In the area or somewhere? So I was in Erie. Uh, oh, okay. Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm, you, know, you ever hear the band of War of Ages? Um, you have to look them up. War of Ages. Um, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable band. Uh, but their drummer went to our church okay. and just loved, loved them. I was a youth pastor there for three, uh, three years. And then I moved back home and I was a youth pastor in this area, Lock Haven, Belfont area. Um, and then we moved to Lewisburg. Okay. Uh, right outside Williamsport. I was there for three years and then moved back here because this is my home church. And yeah, so, so that's what you said that at a service like maybe a, a, probably like two or three months ago now, but yeah. I remember you bringing that up. So you grew up in that church. It was probably a much different church back then. Yep, much different. Um, it was Milesburg Assembly of God back then. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely drove by. Uh, my friend Natalie, she was the store manager for Hot Topic. I don't. You might oh, know her. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her dad lives back up behind where Freedom of Life is now. That's right. I, I remember going over to his house all the time. Yep. Uh, but yeah. So, what what do you think made you really kind of like? You said sort of your family kind of made it almost like a, a given that you were so comfortable in your relationship with God that that was the direction you were going to go. Yeah. You kind of knew early that's where you wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my parents have been, they've been such an integral part of my life. And, uh, and just for me, I think it was probably that week too, that we shared like church wasn't an option. Like it wasn't like, Hey, are we going to go? Like, right. I, I knew. You're going. I, yeah, think, yeah. Unless I know I'm, what Sunday looks like, like. Unless I'm throwing up and right. I, I tried numerous Sundays too, <laughs> just because I don't want to go. Um, but like they made it fun. And they like they wanted to, and and it wasn't just like, hey, you're going because it's what we do, but like they helped me see the why behind the what, like what we were gonna get out of it, and what we were gonna experience. And for me, the things that I love about church, you know, obviously I get to encounter God in His presence, but His people, like I'm a people person, and so like I love just being around people. You know, I love old people, young people, teenagers. Like old people, though, are my favorite. Like, oh, yeah. They're just like, we, uh, they, they make the most amazing food. They'll talk to you forever. <laughs> all the like, recipes have been troubleshooted. Oh, yeah. They've, they've made all the mistakes they, that you're thinking about making. They the test of time. And, uh, and so, you know, just that was a huge part of it. And it was growing up in that environment where, like, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. And so, like, they, they rooted me on. It was people in the men's ministry that hung out with me, took me under their wings. Like my dad was involved. My dad was my youth pastor, uh, growing up for about three years. And so like, no conflict of interest there. No, no <laughs> conflict of interest. Um, but he was like, he was like, you're, you're an idiot. Don't do that. Like <laughs> he, he, I didn't get any like favoritism. <laughs> um, like my girls think they have, which they don't. Um, but they, yeah, they just made it fun. And then once we got there, like, God, God did the rest. And so like, it was just that, that change in my life. And then my parents have always been my biggest cheerleader. 
And so it wasn't until I was 16 years old, we went to uh, a youth conference in Carlisle, and I just felt like in that moment that that pastoral ministry was for me. And I remember them giving a call, like an altar response, you know, like, hey, come up if this is what you do. And I'm like, ah, that's that's just weird. I'm not yeah, doing, yeah, I'm not yeah. I mean, it's that. foreign at that point. Yeah. And, and so, you know, all things can be can can be scary for the first time. And I just remember then kind of taking that step of faith and going up and i'm like what am i doing right yeah. like what? oh no this, it's happening this makes no sense why but, are these feet moving yeah it's like, i'm like oh no but i remember after after that just having this just peace like even at 16 you're just like man i got a lot of time to think about it but from that moment like i knew like i knew what i wanted to do and so um you know being back at my home church the fact they even allow me in the doors of some of the things that I did uh, oh, yeah? as, as a teenager. Um, it's just been an incredible adventure. So you have had that uh, underdog story going through there. I like noticing that you, you know, the fact that you guys get together on Mondays to have like these meetings to sort of figure out where the week goes. I mean, that is tried and true, the path of collaboration, you know, and uh, I was watching this interview with Rick Rubin. He's a producer that I love. And if, I ever got the chance to work with someday, I would, I would be absolutely ecstatic. He said that collaboration isn't people getting together and all putting their ideas in to get it to, you know, to make something it's getting out of your way, getting out of their way. It's like you do what serves the song best. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that has to be sort of the approach for you guys. Cause I mean, case in point with February being focusing on, you know, marriage, that's not just for people that are having troubles in marriage. Now yeah. it's people that are thinking about marriage 100%. and, uh, I mean, I'm at this point where I should probably start thinking about it. I, I've been thinking about it and, uh, you know, I want to find myself in that place. I would love to have, you know, kids someday. I'm like, I'm, I'm just getting that point. I guess I may be a late bloomer in that sense, but, uh, you know, I think for me, it was really important at a young age to think about how important there, there's like a very big distinction between, there's a big distinction between love lust and wishful thinking. And a lot of people don't do the things necessary in their own lives to sort of harbor the tools necessary to create a long lasting relationship. Yeah. And and that's with anything. I mean, relationship with God, relationship with their parents, with their you know, significant other. And so I, I feel like uh, when my parents divorced, my grandparents divorced, I was like, okay, I want to do this, but I only want to do this once. My dad was married three mm. times, you know, kids to the first two wives and I watched him basically have everything ripped away from him through a divorce like mm -hmm. twice. And, you know, his resilience is something that definitely got instilled in me because of the fact that he's like, you don't quit. He's like, you, yeah. you never quit. Like if you quit, everybody else wins. Like mm -hmm. he's like, that can't be an option. You yeah. just need to keep going. And, you know, like that's, that's powerful. And so like for me, I feel like that's going to be a good February. You yeah. Know? Like I, I think that's the thing that a lot of people – lack it's easy to walk away from something and with social media and tinder and bumble and honeypot or whatever yeah. the other name all the yeah, other yeah, you know so dating true. apps you can you, i don't have to go anywhere to just swipe and all i have to do is get a connection and now we can like i think we're at this point now where we've sort of hit a little bit of an equilibrium where people are over it like they're oh, just yeah, like yeah. yeah i can do this and i match with somebody but you meet somebody and you think they're great on an app once and then you go out and you have a bad experience or just in general you're like oh this person actually is terrible yeah you're like i can't trust this this is like yeah. this is all just whatever you wanted to put on here and that's what i swiped on yeah 
So I feel like it's it's we're getting to this point where like we really got to start evaluating our relationships and how we're going to handle them and what so what the path to growth and connection is, yeah. and not how we escape having problems. No, and it's and I love you know what you just said is so good. It's not just for marriages now, but it's it's for my daughter, you know, and the man that she'll marry one day, you know, and um, what I try to model to my wife, you know, hey Addie, find a girl that treats you as good as dad treats mom. And so like these, just these principles and, yeah. you know, some, a lot of them are That's biblical, really sweet. <laughs> but, um, you know, we live in a culture now where it's different than like you and I, I can remember asking Chevelle to date me on a sheet of paper. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. not like stone age, but I'm like, I didn't have a cell phone. It might as well have been papyrus at yeah. this point. <laughs> but I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Check yes or no. And I just, but like, it's it's shifted so far to the other side with all these websites now and through social media that now like we 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 don't know how to communicate and and a lot of these things they're just foreign now to us and it's just like when when we finally do meet we're like oh yeah oh this is a person we, oh my yeah, bad we, <laughs> yeah. we got to do something about this like we got to have a conversation and so it's helping people understand some maybe some things they don't know yet how to deal with certain situations because we've been through that. Like we're not, I'm not perfect. I still fall and still stumble, but there's just these godly principles that we, we bring up to really strengthen and fireproof marriages because we know that it's not, if it comes, it's when it comes. That oh yeah. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's there's the going to be some shakes. There's going to be some problems. Uh, but we want to see marriages thrive. And so, um, I don't think I'd want to meet the couple that has the marriage with no issues. That, that no. sounds boring. You know <laughs> like, what? No. There's we, character in, in turbulence. No. And, and what we yeah, – I've done marriage counseling. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many times. And I'm like, if you if you tell me that you're not fighting, like you're li- just straight lying to me. Right. Like, and, and, if, <laughs> yeah. and, if, and if you don't – and if you're not fighting, that means you're not talking. Right. Because you guys are different people. Yeah, man, it's easy to stonewall and just avoid and yeah. like not have the conversation. Like, this isn't going where I want to, or oh, you're already mad at me, so like, what am I gonna? Okay, sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like that's it's those are not healthy uh, coping mechanisms or you know no. ways to mitigate the problems you're dealing with. No, but that's what I, I love too about uh, about our church is I mean everything is Bible based, but you know we talk about faith. You know we talk about marriages. Like we talk about dreams and goals and aspirations and and we talk about sin but we talk about how to overcome it and there's a lot of those things that anybody can relate to yeah you know and so it's it's a non-believer and an unbeliever it's it's a young believer it's a believer that's been in the church for 40 50 60 years we have people in our church that taught me in sunday school they still go to our church i'm like this is amazing Um, i got got a bombshell question for you do you feel like morality is only prevalent if you have religion in your life or do you feel like society sort of as a mixture of cultures and and religions and and belief systems is the real sort of like boundary from the beginning and the end of what the morality spectrum looks like. And we have like, you know, you have sin and you have the opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I feel like a lot of people feel like without, uh, if you're, if you're not a Christian, you, you can't possibly have this like, conduct of like right morality or you know like oh no 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 so like there there are there are good people everywhere right like there's there's good 
believers, there's good non-believers, like oh, just certainly. great people. Um, you know, at the, I have met some amazing people that are far from God and they're, they're absolutely top-notch individuals and I've learned a lot from them. And that's why even earlier when you had said reading through those books, like I read a lot of books you know, or people read books to me. Um, <laughs> Audible is uh, yeah. where I don't have to read at all. Now I can just hit uh, play and drive. It's so funny. But, um, but you know, we, we'd, we'd said it before, like many books can inform us, but only one can transform us. Like I believe that, that the Bible is the only Bible is the only book that can literally transform our lives. But I, there's a lot of things I read that can inform me. Um, and just, just like that, like there are a lot of people that maybe, uh, are amazing individuals doing great things. Um, that doesn't minimize their impact. Right. Just because they don't fall under a certain scope or a parameter. Right. Now, again, we, we want to see people, um, come to know Jesus because I believe there's something that happens in our lives. Um, but yet we realize that people are on a journey. Yeah, and I think that that's probably one of the things that helped me the most about going to the services with you is that I felt like not only were you, I mean, not only you literally approached me the first time I went into that church, but you are approachable mm. and not just in that you're friendly and that you're, you know, anybody can walk up to you and not feel like you're going to punk them or swing <laughs> at them or something. But like, there, it's hard when religion feels like it's not approachable. I think like for me, being raised Catholic would probably did more harm than good for me in terms of, you know, faith in general because it just seems so weird i didn't understand like why why the singing why this and why the like i got the core things it made sense i was like oh that makes sense like that's mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful stuff right there but then there was just so much that like i just didn't understand yeah and like when my mom and my dad got married um my mom had to they were gonna have to pay like several thousand dollars to annul my dad's first marriage um and then they would accept my mom and my dad's marriage taking place and my mom was like, well, what about his other kids? And they were like, oh, well, in the eyes of the church, they don't exist. And my mom was like, and I'm out. Like, mm -hmm. how do you just say these kids don't exist? Because my mom was like a second mom to these kids. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, I have half siblings by, you know, textbook definition, but I never felt like that with my siblings. We never felt like we were half anything. Like, how do you half pull each other's hair and punch yeah. each other and roll around on the ground <laughs> and in the dirt. Like, no, that was a very real brotherly experience. I feel like they got the full spectrum of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so because of all the different like schisms of, you know, sex of, you know, Christianity, and this is true for, for Buddhism too. Um, the form of Buddhism that I most grew closely to is this form of Nichiren Buddhism. And I, it was, I thought it was super small. And then I went and I lived in Japan and, uh, my host family in my first semester there, they, that was their sect of religion. So like, and not by like, I couldn't pick that that's who the host family right. I would stay with was. It just happened to be like, that's what they were. And so I had a really like transformative experience with them through that. And man, it just stirs up so many different feelings, right? Because mm -hmm. like, you want to think that like, I think Thich Nhat Hanh said that like, uh, Christianity and Buddhism are both flowers from the same types of seeds that are rooted in compassion and, and like obviously for Buddhism and the goal is enlightenment, but, um, still like the, the, you know, right speech, right action, being mindful, being present and being aware and just having that genuine empathy for, you know, the world at large, like for <laughs> the one thing that when I was going through my 
parents divorce, I, I felt like I was suffering. Like that's what I really mm. felt. And the first, you know, the four noble truths of Buddhism are that all life is suffering, that uh, desire is the root of that suffering. When you want something that you you don't have control over and you don't get it, or if you get it and not in the timeline that you wanted to, that's suffering. That there's a way out of that suffering, and the way out of that suffering is through that mindfulness and that understanding, and you know, following these paths of like, you know, you're gonna have a hard time having a truly good and beneficial life if you're running around like cheating and lying and you're, you know, you're intoxicated all the time and you're, you're barely present in your own body of like sound mind soberly to really sort of make adjustments or course correct any Mm -hmm. of the decisions you're making. And so like that resonated with me. And and I guess for me in my ADHD brain, it was like an easy list for me to really kind of process. Yeah. It's like the the eightfold path versus the 10 commandments, but the, the premises were all the same. And so it felt like this close brother. And so living Buddha, living Christ, was a really powerful book for me because it made me feel like these are, we're all trying to get to the same place, whether we're, you know, like the kingdom of heaven or, you know, enlightenment where you escape this cycle of suffering. Like they never really say what happens after mm-hmm. like you escape. That's like you escape samsara. It's like, okay, well then, well then where am I? Yeah. And so, but I mean, I, I believe in ghosts and like all kinds, I've had all kinds of crazy wild experiment experiences like all over the world. So it's hard for me to say like, you know, oh, like this, this thing can't be true. And I think like when you're closed minded to it, because, you know, well, and what's the difference between Wesleyan and, you know, right. Lutheran and Southern Baptist and this, that, and the other thing. So right. it's like that, that can be really hard for people to swallow, especially when the worst examples is usually what people pull from, you know, to be able to decide whether or not they can amenably agree to or, or come to uh, an understanding through that particular path of faith. Yeah. And so what were, what was, it was Milesburg Assembly of God. What, yeah. What was that one? What's, what's their like? Uh, they're Pentecostal. Pentecostal. And yeah. I dated a Pentecostal girl was my, my college sweetheart and her parents were, they might as well have been Nazis. They were mean. <laughs> they were mean by the book people. Like if you were not of a certain ilk, you were not a good human being. And I had a hard time with that because they just never, they never wanted to give me a chance to, to get to know me or, yeah. or, or give me any sort of like inkling of a understanding in my direction and I was trying that for yeah. them. I was like, okay, all right, this is a little stricter than I'm I would personally like, but I okay, I can see where it comes from. And they definitely walked their faith, but it was a hard line to toe. And yeah. that blows my mind that the Assembly of God was a, a Pentecostal church because that's not what bred you, you know, yeah. like your character is not of the the kind of persuasion that you were going to be anything other than who I have met you to be, you know, yeah. in the last year. Yeah. And that's the, you know, just growing up too, like I've, uh, I, I, I never can put a label on a certain church organization. Like there's good people, there's bad people in every area. You know, like we, we were at, uh, the store the other day, Black Friday shopping. Cause we're, <laughs> we're crazy. Where the best of humanity comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was fun. Just a date day with my wife and at the one store, like we had a great experience with an employee. We had a terrible experience. <laughs> Get the full spectrum. Um, yeah, and so like, we're there's good people and there's bad people in in every area, and so like we want to just get to get to know the person, like get right. to know me, um, and who I am and my story. Let me hear from you, um, because there really is like there's good people in the AG and the Assemblies of God in Pentecostal churches. There's good people in the Methodist Church. There's just good. There's good people. Um, but there's also some of those then that, 
they uh, they are not living up to maybe what they're saying. Yeah, certainly. It's hard if you're judged by the worst of your your group, right? Yeah. Like that, you certainly don't want that. Yeah. And the Bible does say, you know, that there's none that are good, no, not one. So like we're we are all imperfect. Yeah. Um, and we're all we're all trying to, you know, personally, I'm trying to be more like Jesus. I'll never be him, uh, ever. But props to you for showing uh, up every day and and making the effort. Like that's ultimately what it has to take. Yeah. And that's, you know, every day I want to try to be a better dad. I want to try to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. Um, like I want to be a better employee. Um, better use of my time. Like, you know, so every day my mom said this and, uh, mama Sim, she said a lot of, (laughs) a lot of (laughs) what I thought was scripture. It wasn't, it's just her telling me stuff. Um, (laughs) it became hard to distinguish at a certain point, (laughs) but she, she said when I was young, I might've been like 12 and she said, Josh, at the end of the night, like if you tried to be the best friend and like the, the best version of you, then you can lay your head on your pillow and you can go to bed like with, without any like conviction, without like any second guesses. And so like, that's how I try to live my life. Like I want to try to be the best dad today. Do we fail? Yes. We're not perfect. Um, but we're all, I'm, I'm on this journey. Yeah. Sleep's important. So you got to get that sleep at the end of the night. Cause like, that's right. Yeah. I I feel like it's so interesting that the, uh, transition of, uh, the tr- of the transfer of information from, you know, parent to child. And like, you always want the best for your kid. I mean, I, I'm not obviously speaking from experience, but I feel like my mom, I never, I never like judged my mom or was upset with her for the divorce when I was a kid. Of course I was when I didn't maybe understand more mm-hmm. of the, the things that were at play. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't blame somebody for being where they were in life and making the choices they made when they were at a place in life where that, that was what they thought was the best decision or, you know, whatever it is, anything could have gone a million different numbers of ways. And that's true to everybody's life. Like Mm -hmm. everybody gets that opportunity. And for me, I think what helped was having this sort of like inner faith style of growing up through my adolescence after the divorce that helped me connect to a more spiritual place in my life than any of my Catholic upbringing ever did. And then I, I love that. I don't know where the journey is. I love that. I, I mean, I say I'm this now and tomorrow it could be something different. Like I'm not shutting down the roads ahead of me mm-hmm. before I get to them mm-hmm. just because uh, I mean, and we, as people were, especially ADHD people were really yeah. quick to like not want to break patterns. Cause if it's oh, easy, yeah, yeah. but man, there's something so great about the free falling aspect of just being like, you know what? Like I've got to be open to where the road is taking me. And where I'm walking, then trying to pretend that, like you said, like you can't, you know, you're not, what did you, how did you say it earlier? Like you can't be judged for who you were pretending to be or something like that. You can't show up authentically as somebody else. Like you you have to be you. 100%. And that takes like really, it takes accountability certainly for yourself, but also it takes, you know, a mindfulness and awareness, self-awareness of who you are and where you're really at. Yeah. And that's what's so good about you know this 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 walk me personally with with Jesus is that I have there's standards right, right? and there's 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 guidelines that are put you know people call them laws you can call them rules but they're there to help me to right. to be a better person right a lot of those things are you know thou shalt not kill 
Well, that's knocked it out of the park. That's pro- a good one. Probably a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's keep that one. Yeah, and Seems so, like it shows up in every religion. Probably yeah, a good one to keep around. You know, there's not not a not a really negative to that. But you know, with that, so we have these we have these guidelines, but then also we've got this creativity to try new things and to be, be to be bold under the guidelines that the Bible gives us. And so that's what I love about our church in particular is that we try new things. We're going to think outside the box. My lead pastor said that we'll do everything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. <laughs> that's like some real Batman churching yeah. right there. I love it. <laughs> that was during my my uh, my interview. And I'm like, dude, tell me where to sign. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. What was that last line yeah. you said there? I was like, I want, uh, like, I want to go meet people. Like that, yeah. that and where they are. Yeah. A hundred percent where they're at. Not because, where you think they should be, not where yeah. they're supposed to be because nobody knows that. Yeah. Because again, the church has gotten such a bad rap because you've got some of those bad individuals that call things out like, Hey, you're just a bad person. You're a bad person. I almost but think like, that's a generational thing. I feel like our generation is way more forgiving. I mean, we've only been traumatized every like three years since we were six years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I feel like that's a, a byproduct of, and I say this about government too. I'm like, we're a few old white guys away from dying before it, things are going to get real cool around here because we're going to have a little bit more understanding start to infect our government. And, and especially, I think that like, I wouldn't have said it in high school that, you know, a youth ministry was an important thing to have around. I'd have been like, oh, these are a bunch of Bible thumpers who want to, you know, make me feel bad because I wear a spike necklace or, you know, like whatever it was that I was thinking at at 18. I'm sure it wasn't smart. (laughs) But like the idea that when you get this like young, fresh blood and perspective in there, it's like there's a real equilibrium that's taken place between what you have taught, been taught throughout your life and where you've ended up through the process of like digesting and internalizing that and and presenting it in a way that like, I mean – I I wonder what church is going to look like in 20 years when the the generation Z is in there mm. teaching because it's going to be a totally different you know yeah. make sure you like and subscribe to my yeah that's right you know it it is interesting and that's why you know where where we're living in is so important that we pass down such good biblical values and morals and uh and teach this generation because I I do think that some of the things that we're experiencing is because parents did not step up in certain ways and teach some of the hard things. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I'm like looking forward to it. Like I can't wait oh, to dude. like sit my kids down in the future and be like, here's how you messed up. Yeah. I'm going to give <laughs> and, you the uh, A through Z on what you should have done yeah. here and what you did do. <laughs> you know, it, but it's so – it's 100% true. Like but we all want to be our child's friend. They don't need a friend. They need a dad. A, a parent. And they need a mom. They need guidance, real yeah, guidance. 100%. Like, and, you know, that's that's what they – they need that discipline. They need that love. Um, and tough love is equally as important oh, bro, I got as the soft cuddling. I got some tough love. Um, <laughs> but I needed it. And now, like, I love – again, I have such a great relationship with my parents even to this day. They come to my our church. And so, like, it's, it's such a blessing. But – you know, it's, it's, it's not just the, okay, you know, um, we're, we're not just that we're more accepting, but you have people now who we've lived by these standards and yes, these are all good, right? Like I, I believe everything that the Bible says is true. And when somebody's living something that I believe is not true, uh, I don't treat them any less, right? 
And, right, and so right, I don't right. go after them. I don't name call them. Uh, I don't picket them. Like I, I but I'm going to love them through the process. That's literally what you're supposed to do. I feel like that message, I don't know if that was a generational thing too. I feel like that one was kind of lost uh, along the way for a lot of people. Cause I, I feel like the church wasn't just alienating to me. Like I, I mean, I grew up with like a slew of friends that were non-believers, like just not, and they, and the reason they had a hard time acclimating towards it was not foreign to me. Cause it was almost, it's like the same thing I heard amongst everybody. It just seemed like, oh, uh, like you're already, I'm already so far behind. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna appease whoever it is. I think I'm supposed to be appeasing. And, and if I'm, this is who I am now, like, how is there ever any redemption for this? And it's like, that's kind of the point and why you should go. Mm. And so for me, like, I would not have probably started going to church if it wasn't for the family that I started going with. Mm. And I mean, they, it's funny because I don't think, I don't know what they thought of me beforehand, uh, but it was not what I would have wanted them to think about me. Mm. And I think it was maybe like, I would certainly say misguided, but they, they stuck it out with me, yeah. you know? And then like, through their faith, they work out how to reconcile with somebody who is is different, but not bad. And I mean, I don't think I'm a bad person. Like I'm, yeah. I'm very open to, uh, you know, a lot of things in life. But I think I I stick to the moral guidelines that I think I was raised with and that I adopted throughout, you know, my trials and tribulations in life. And uh, and now like they are, <laughs> they love me. Like and it's great because it's it feels like. Not like I needed that acceptance, but it's good that they, and through their faith, were able to come to a place of reconciliation where they were like, okay, maybe this is not what I think it is and I shouldn't be as quick to jump on this or think that this person is this way. And and you can kind of see it manifest into other conversations yeah. and, and things that they have happened in their lives. Yeah. And that's, I, lo- I love that because even now you, you look at that and you're like, you know what, that's, that is, that is a a church I could go to that right. is not going to just shun me by the way I look. Um, I remember I was, I was a youth pastor in Erie and, uh, I was, I was the youth pastor. Right. And, um, hanging out, we had about a hundred and how old were you? Uh, 22. Uh, I was 22. We had about 130 students in our youth ministry and we were having this huge night. We were playing Fear Factor when Fear Factor was big. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. You remember that? <laughs> oh, doing, yeah, Joe Rogan, for sure. Fear Factor night. And one of the elders in our church came, and he just, like, ripped a hat off of one of our teenagers because he's like, we don't wear hats in church. Oh, Meanwhile, uh, I'm wearing a hat. Uh, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? And yeah. so I'm like, what are we more concerned about? Like right. that student now, thankfully he came back. Right. But that could have been a, it an absolute been, turn point. That's a sour been. taste in my mouth immediately. If yeah. somebody knocks my hat Total off my head or dinks it. Total. And, and once again, you know, people don't know, people won't know what you know until they know how much you care. Like they don't, they don't, they don't want to know what you know yet. They would just want you to, they, they want to feel like they're loved. And right. after they feel like they're loved, then they're open to receive some of that information acceptance is super Um, important and you got to break that shell. And so our goal is to build bridges, right. And help people experience the freedom of life that only God has to offer. And, um, 
it's been, dude, an incredible journey. I'm thankful, though, that you're coming. I mean, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I mean, I to love- me, what, what is the harm in going? Even if you were – like I would say to people that don't go to church for any reason, whether they identify as Christian or not, like I treat it like therapy almost. Like don't just go once. Don't just go when you're hurting. Yeah. Try – Try keep going. Yeah. Try to like continue going past and there are going to be some boring ones. There's going to be ones Dude, you don't, you don't, they're such, not all going to be bangers, you know, like it's so like good. every, if every church sermon was a single, they can't all be top, oh, top dude, 10 charters, you know, like. I love that. That's, but, that's amazing advice, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, but it's, it's unilateral in, in the sense that like, whether it's going to church or going to therapy, like go when you don't think you need to go anymore. And I, and I made that approach in my life with therapy after uh, a bad breakup a couple years ago. And I couldn't be more grateful to myself for just being like, I'm just going to keep scheduling. I'm just going to keep showing up. It's just a thing I'm going to do every week. And if I go, I'm going to keep unearthing some things about myself that I didn't yeah. know were there. Well, I mean, I think if you could, I, I'm very catalytically inclined. I like to like try shit in my life to like see what, if I do this, that's going to spark some changes here, here, and here. I've definitely used that as a means of getting out of relationships sometimes. Like, okay, if I do this, she is, she's definitely going to break <laughs> up with me and then I will be out of this situation. And then you find out that they're maybe codependent and they're like not going to ever leave you regardless right. of what you do. And you're like, oh no, I'm stuck and now I'm in trouble. And and so for me, it was like I needed to break out of that cycle big time. And, and so I was like, instead of doing this one thing, and seeing what changes it sparks. What if yeah. I just did this one thing 40 times <laughs> or so for good. 52 times a year and just just go and see what happens? And man, I unearthed so much shit about myself that like I I record my therapy sessions and I haven't listened to any of them yet, but I know for sure I'm bawling like a baby by like yeah. week six because I'm like, oh, my mom never this. And, and that's not the case, but like – yeah. It feels like it. Yeah. And it's important to just go and show up for yourself earnestly, regardless of whether or not you're, so what true. you're thinking is right or wrong. And I think if I could I could say anything to anybody that is on the fence about going to church is like, it's just like therapy. Also, like you got to find the right therapist because not all therapists are the same. And yeah. if you go to one and you, and you have a real good connection, it's like try to continue to go just to see what the value is and the things that you learn in the interim between what you think you're going to get out of yeah. it and, and what you actually do get out of it so at the true. end of it. That was amazing. You know, Mickey Mantle, I think it was Mickey Mantle, he struck out like his first 13 at bats. Like, (laughs) if any of those, he's just like, oh, this ain't working. Right. Right? Then he never would have been in the Hall of Fame. And we always tell people, too, like, take the four-week test drive. Um, Don't just do a quick pit stop because, like, this, you know, this is a – this is – this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, you're like, trying to thread a needle of this was the perfect sermon to show yeah. up on, and you're never going to be able to guarantee no. when that is. And and again, it's it's about those relationship building. It's about the people. Obviously, we're encountering Jesus, but like each week is different. It has ups and downs. But like we want to make sure that as you come in, that you're getting the full experience, and you can only do that by going several weeks to be a right. part and see the church and feel out you know, our people and the culture and the atmosphere and the music. And people get caught up in the, where they're at right now and what they're dealing with right now. So if the, if you go once and this isn't a thing that maybe resonates with you, or you're like, okay, like I get the, I, I see the value in it. And I've had those, those experiences with you. Like I've been like, okay, yeah, this doesn't really, uh, this isn't hitting me at home right now. But like, I, I mean, I, I definitely like what I'm hearing. This is valuable information. 
take it or leave it, whatever. And you yeah. go out and you go the next day. But like, I mean, this past week with the Gideon one was really, really an easy one to kind of gravitate towards for me because it's like, man, I feel like that's been my whole life. Every time I wanted to stop and I just kept going or, I mean, I haven't, American Idol wouldn't take me because they said I was too old. And this is when I was like 26 or 27. Mm. And, uh, and I had, I had people still, I'm in my thirties now. They're like, you should try out for American Idol. I'm like, they don't want me. And I'm like, and that's fine. Cause like, I don't think that was my path anyway. I don't think I would have enjoyed anything about that experience. Mm. Uh, when we were on Warped Tour in 2011, we were, uh, share, we were on the Ernie Ball stage and this girl, Juliet Sims, who was on the first season of The Voice, she sounds like a modern day Janis Joplin. She's just got a killer set of pipes. And she was on that show. And so she would like play her set at 2.30 or 3.30. We were like, it was either her than us or us than her. And then the rest of the roster of the bands, we were always like right next to each other. And uh, she started dating this guy in a big metal band called Black Veil Brides. And uh, so I met Andy, her boyfriend, through him just watching side stage and me being like, why are all these people here? And it's like, oh, because I'm standing next to this guy. And I hadn't, I, I don't think I could tell you a song of theirs now today. But when I met him and I talked to him, I was like, this dude is a truly prolific and smart individual like he's not here by accident he is here because he has designed this course for himself he has the right team behind him wow. really really inspiring person to be around but she was on that show and i don't i think she chose CeeLo green as like her mentor and not adam levine and it caused this like huge <laughs> disrupt in the show and it, was, it ended up being like the smartest thing she could have done because that disrupt put a lot of attention on her and she was just somebody that was like this person you hear it in her voice i'm like this woman was put here to sing her pipes out and make hearts bleed like she was just absolutely gorgeous and wow. and an absolutely killer vocalist um and i just love listening to her sing and i discovered her because she did a guest vocal spot in uh another song by a band called all time low that i was a fan of at the time and and still am i guess uh but i i think like oh, damn why did i get on that we were talking about something right before that oh yeah so whenever i was like when i could have quit I, yeah and i didn't that was that was like one of those moments where I was like, man, she, none, she could have quit. Like her, there weren't a lot yeah. of people that were showing up for her set, but she's on this show that's about to be a nationally televised show that's like huge. Yeah. And that the Kevin Lyman, the guy who runs Warp Tour, was like in a lot of like the side stage shots, you can see him and her boyfriend are, are there watching her crush her like set of whatever it was she was doing. And that was really kind of good for me to learn. Like you got to show up for yourself. So true. Whether you, whether you think it's working out right now or not, if this is what you truly want to do and this is whether that's like, Hey, I want to work on fixing some things in my life. Like yeah. show up for yourself. You have so to true. be present for you because who else is going to be? Yeah. And we, we shared that on Sunday a little bit. Like you got to go private before you go public. Yeah. Like, that was another gotta, thing you said that I loved. You know, we got to work on those small things. Like, because again, if we can't be trusted in the small, we can't be trusted in the big. And so th just those small beginnings, the Bible says, you know, don't despise the start of small beginnings, right? Right. Uh, because those small things, they multiply and they get big. You know, some of the largest churches in the country started out in a garage and yeah. and now they're 35, 45, 55,000. And so, you know, it's, it's about that journey, but it's, it's starting small and doing those things that are necessary. Yeah, I, I think it's just it, it gets difficult. I think again when you have your eyes set on where you think you're supposed to be, to appreciate those <laughs> those humble beginnings. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever watched. Have you ever, was you have you watched like an earlier 
service that you've done, like uh, like a previous service, like oh, yeah, like, yeah. two, three years ago. And oh, you're like, yeah. oh man. Dude. Like my, nobody is nobody is a worse critic of me than me. Like, and there's nobody's gonna tell know. me anything about myself in a negative light that I'm not gonna be like, true. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. I also yeah. feel that way. Would you like to have coffee and talk about Bro, it? I I watch my messages every week. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah, every week. That's good. That's a good review. I think like as a as a comedian or as a musician, I think it's important to see yeah. how you're moving and what you're saying. Drives my wife insane. What? <laughs> she hates it. Put it on the big screen um, instead at home. But I, it it helps me. It sharpens me. I'm like, why did I even say that? That's a word that doesn't even exist. I just made a word. And then I've said a scripture that wasn't actually the right scripture. It was a different scripture. And and so it helps me to be sharper. Like I can't just I, I just can't um I can't just live in my mistake. I got to make it better, right? And and get better as a pastor and as a speaker and a communicator. Um, but I love those stories. It remind it remind me though because I've always wondered from you because you're such such a great musician of who you think maybe has the greatest voice, um, as far as um, a musician. Oh, man, I, like I think to me, it's such a hard question to. I answer because the spectrum of what exists out there is so grand. And so I guess usually what I default to, which is like, it sounds like it's a bullshit answer, but it's not. It's that it's, everything comes from a different place. Every, every thing has a season or a place where sure, it, sure. it really sings. And so like Juliet Sims, when I hear her voice, I'm transported back to 2012 and like watching her sing on stage and just being like, man, I could just listen to this girl forever. She sounds like, and I, I was not a big Janis Joplin fan, but the soul in her voice is so powerful. And it's hard to deny, deny something like that. One of my favorite bands growing up was this band called Dredge and Gavin Hayes, the singer from their band. I always loved singing along to him. I thought he did a lot of really amazing things for like this indie rock style of, of music that I was into. But I also loved Chester Bennington, who I thought was like, you know, He's amazing in Lincoln Park. His screams are really, really awesome. And then, but his singing, I don't think was put to the forefront as much as it sh as his fans would say they know it. But like he passed away whenever I was in Hawaii and I like it ruined the rest of my trip because this is like somebody who I grew up listening to. Uh, they played the Bryce Jordan Center for, uh, I think, a Project Revolution tour or something like that. And after the show was done, a bunch of people peaced out but a bunch of us were waiting by the barricade and he actually came out and walked down this divider barricade and like signed a bunch of stuff and he stopped and he talked to me for a minute and i think i totally lied to him and said i was gonna start a band <laughs> and like was asking him for his advice way before i had any inkling so of doing awesome. that at all and he was like dude you just got to do do it for you and do what do what comes from you not like what you think it should sound like and, wow. and i remember being like i didn't have anything to sign he had a marker thankfully and I had a single dollar in my pocket and he signed the dollar for me and I kept it for years and years and years. And then for Christmas one year, I had a roommate uh, in college who was a huge Lincoln Park fan too. And he was maybe a couple years older than me. And so for Christmas, I like framed it and I got, gave it to him for Christmas. Cause I was like, he will appreciate wow. this. And I was like, it's not doing me any good sitting in this trinket box and like not going anywhere. And he will appreciate that wow. that's what it is. And, uh, but I, I just, that was somebody that I thought I could sing like. And so that to me was like, if I can emulate it, that must be a good voice. Wow. But I love like Burt McCracken from The Used. I liked, you know, Newfound Glory. I liked All Time Low. I like Blink-182. I love Mark Hoppus. Like, 
I, just there's the, a, the mood, the mood you're in. Yeah, in the definitely mood based for sure. And I think that that's like food too, right? Like, uh, might, yeah. do I want Mexican or do I want Chinese food tonight? That's like, right. What, what am I really hungry for right now? And and I guess like lately it has been a lot of like rock and uh, industrial, I guess. But I mean, I've been listening to like uh, Dolly Parton, like oh, Jolene. Oh, what yeah. an absolute banger! And then like she was inducted in the or she they were trying to induct her into the Hall of uh, rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah, yeah. And she just straight up said, like, I don't feel like I've earned that yet. I'm like, what? She makes like <laughs> millions of dollars and she donates so much of it to charity. It's yeah, like one does. of the best human beings I think on the planet. How do you not feel like you're worthy? Like what? Like Elvis is big because he covered a song that you did. Like what? Wow. These are like truths. And you know, so yeah, for me, it's like, it, it's just this absolute mood based thing. And, and I love like my dad called me recently maybe like two or three months ago and he, he was out with, with my stepmom and he was drunk and he doesn't talk to me a lot about my music. He's proud of me. He loves it. He's like, oh, you know, he thinks it's great. Like, I don't know why you guys aren't bigger, this, that, and the other thing. And he calls me and he's, he's, he's trash. He doesn't remember that he called me to have this conversation with me. And he was like, Hey, uh, I just want you to know if I die, I want you to cover a song for me and play it at my celebration of life and mm. i was like okay well what's the song and he was like house of the rising sun and i'm like oh dad that's like a <laughs> oh, an absolute <laughs> banger and that's what, and he called and like he was like i just i just want and he's been telling me a lot lately he's like i'm really really proud of you like you you wow. you don't you haven't quit and like he said awesome. it to me and like he's just being sweet and drunk <laughs> and i'm like thanks dad <laughs> like tearing up on the other side of the line like i can't believe you saying that to me and it, it felt like it felt like an audible hug that I didn't know that I needed. Yeah. And, and not for the lack of him ever saying that he was proud of me or anything like that, but just because I was hearing it, I was yeah. actually hearing it. Like he said it before, but this was like a very earnest and vulnerable and honest way of saying it. Yeah. And man, it just hit me in like the most powerful way. And yeah. So, I mean, I, as far as the best, the best voice, I like people that, I, I will say that as a, as a character, I love somebody who has the capacity or understands the capacity of singing really well, whatever their range or octave is that they're most comfortable in and that can scream. All I really care about, and I learned this from a producer we worked with from the very first record I ever recorded anything on, his name's Doug White. And he has a studio in Lockport, New York called Watchman Studios. He was like, I don't care if you sing it note for note perfectly. I care that the energy is there. He's like, I can fix the notes. I can't fix if you sound bored when wow. you're singing this. And I was like, I didn't think that translated and we put stuff out where I'm like, oh man, I don't feel like so my good. energy was in there. And there was like, no, man, that sounds great. And I'm like, well, wow. then what the hell do I know? Wow. But it, as long as I can feel what I'm hearing, yeah. that's probably the most important thing. I love, so I love melody. Rhythms are great. I love things that are catchy, but man, do I really need to feel what you're saying? And so 100%. I feel like with screaming, it's easier to hear a, a transition from like a singing into a talking slash scream and feel like you you felt why that transition took place and when it's you know methodical and it feels like it was done intentionally i'm more than happy to listen to it because i'm like man that's a powerful powerful way to express something to somebody especially when you're you're writing a song and you're trying to connect with people every song is different every song has a different sort of outreach in yeah. mind but when you're done writing it it's not yours anymore. So, so it doesn't matter what you wrote it about or how well you were feeling it when you're recording. And what it, what it is once you put it out into the ether is whatever somebody grabs it and bro, takes it home as. That's so good. We, um, 
Uh, you have to feel like that. Like you oh, give a, you 100%. give a service and you're like, I said this and this is what we talked about, but who knows what bells you ticked in yeah. somebody's heads that. And when I was worship pastor and still kind of oversee some of that on a Sunday, um, we would have people that would come in and again, we're our largest critic. We always are. I'm like, I can't sing. I can't do this. And I always tell people like for, for us and for worship, like it maybe is 25% is your voice. Like, right. The rest is your heart. Yeah, it's it's your attitude. It's your excitement. You know, you can see our team up there. They're just they're kind of half clapping. They're like, let's right. <laughs> let's go for it. Like smile. Yeah. Be a part. Be in it. Like those. I can teach you how to sing. Not me personally, but like <laughs> you could. You John, could. J- Johnny Baker can. But like there you, you can I can go online and and purchase somebody to teach you right yeah. now. But like the heart behind it and the excitement and the passion. That's got to come from you. It's got, yeah. And it's something that you got to. But that's a hurdle. Sometimes people have to learn that you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to be in that place. And yeah. some people have a hard time disconnecting from like the the very like uh, tangible, like I'm thinking about this actively kind of mindset. You got to be like, no, no, no. You're, you're up here. You need to be like more here. How do that's you right. How do you feel when you sing this? That's so good. Yeah, and I feel like that. Do you guys do uh, so for us? Like we do a thing where why well, do two things? I, we have a, a pre-show sort of like ritual we do um, before we go on. Uh, we have like it's just a moment where we kind of like huddle up, we talk, and we're yeah. like, "Hey, look!" Like it's like a be present in this moment kind of speech. And I mean, it's not like it's a repetitive thing. I, the thing I do for me personally is repetitive, but we get together in a circle and we're like, "Hey, let's be thankful." We gathered a lot of people here today. Like they're they they paid to come see us and they they must believe in us to some extent that they they wanted to be here to see what we do when we do it live and uh you know go out and have fun like leave it all out there because you know we don't know when the next show is maybe or mm-hmm. you know we don't know what tomorrow brings like just be here and enjoy this and know that like this is what all the the rehearsals have been for and this is what writing in a dingy van floor on a futon that's laid on the floor so everybody can sleep <laughs> like that's where this all came from somewhere very yeah. visceral but where it's going we'll never know so yeah. like just be here be present and, and do it yeah and then uh, this is the side thing that i do is uh when our tracks are playing right before i'm about to walk on i do a cu- quick last second like vocal warm-ups just to make sure everything's feeling okay yeah and then uh i i <laughs> sorry i say this but i'm like i'm gonna fucking win like i I say it and I repeat it to myself because I, in my mind, everybody that walks out on stage ever, that's their moment. And and not in like a 15 minutes of fame kind of way, but in a, you have to ground yourself in some sort of a way that says like, look, everybody else wins whenever they go out and they do what they love for a living, whether that's preaching, whether that's being a, a chef in a nice restaurant, like you have to show up ready to win your battle for you. And because what I'm doing for me on stage is, is catharsis. <laughs> so like that's not the same as something maybe necessarily that somebody is that's watching is getting. Mm. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to dictate their experience. I want them to have their experience. That's right. theirs. But for me, it's like I got to go out and win this for me. And so I just repeat like I'm going to fucking win. Like that's my go-to. And I like can get myself in this mindset where I go out and now it's like nothing else is behind me. It's just what I'm walking out in front to do and – I don't know. This has always been very. That's a more recent ritual that I've intermixed into things, but yeah, it's been one of the more like powerful and prevalent ones that I've added into things. And, yeah, and it's been a real game changer with how I perform live because now I'm not. 
in my head with the shakes and the nervousness and yeah. the, ooh, don't miss that first note of that first song or whatever. Like none of that's there anymore uh, with the benefit of aging now. <laughs> I've I've come to be like, oh yeah, I've done this enough times. Like I think I'm just psyching myself you out now. You got point. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's a long-winded answer for uh, what I like in no, singer. No, I love, love that. Bro, it's so funny because everybody has that. You know, I, I read a lot about musicians, kind of like their, their pre-stage stuff that they do. Um, but even for us, like obviously we, we pray as the team, we encourage them and I do very similar, but like, I just remind myself, like, uh, I'm not, I'm not the best singer. I'm not the greatest guitar player, but like, you're going to, you're going to have to use me however you want because right. I, I've got limitations and, uh, but at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about, it's not contingent on whether I hit this note or I strum this right thing. I was just curious if the worship band like gets together and kind of has that moment beforehand. Yeah. I, I think that's like, it's very important whether in any context, especially uh, in the creative sense, when you're going out to perform in yeah. general, and that could be, you know, acting, short skits, comedy, whatever. But when you're actually, you have to show up to perform something, it's it's different than like the painter who paints and then puts yeah. the thing in a gallery. Like they already did the work and now yeah. it's there and whatever happens, you can kind of detach from a little bit. But with performance, it's like, these are multiple whole lives coming together yeah. to, to share this and however they decide to share this needs to be you know genuine and yeah. feel authentic to them and to the people that are observing it it's, it's and with with us in 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 worship it's interesting because yes you have that okay it's not about me uh it's all it's all about him but we still have to play an instrument right you still have to sing he's got to move and they still have to be cohesive and yeah. so, you know, you have that aspect then, but you also have the creativity and the music aspect where you have to say, hey, I'm not sure you're even playing the right key. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you, you gotta read call that. call Legacy at some Yeah, like, uh, did, did you know you're not even singing the right song? Like, it, uh, you know, so, but you have to address that. Yeah. And and sounds like, you know, you have such a great team. You're all family. You're I'm able so lucky. To, you're able to be like, hey, man, I'm not so sure you got that one. Um, but then maybe you don't know cause you turned them down. Uh, but, we, we had um, a song, we had a cut, we were going to play our cover of blinding lights live at this last show. And I had been like, we've been pushing to do it. And I wanted to end the show with it. It's a song that everybody will remember. And we're in front of a crowd of people that have, you know, we sold them probably the majority of tickets that night, which was great. But for all the people that hadn't seen us, I wanted to leave them with something memorable at the end of it. And, uh, we had been practicing it and everybody was kind of dragging their ass on it a little bit. And then the week before the show, and we're supposed to be like, driving it home they kind of reluctantly were like hey uh we don't know if we want to play that song live and i was like all right like i'm not going to argue with everybody to, to play a song that i i want to see us play because i think it'll be good for us i just want us to go out there and have fun if everybody doesn't feel like this is there that's a bummer i am bummed you will know that i'm bummed <laughs> but i'm like i'm not here to like play this like dictated yeah. role like this is it's just as much of this very personal and like prolific experience to me so each good. time we do it as it is for them. So and like, you, I wouldn't want to take that from yeah. them. And, and if you're playing something you're not comfortable with, like me, it's just singing, I guess that's easier to me. But you know, if my drummer's like, listen, man, <laughs> this one's moving and it's a little fast and I want to make sure I don't mess it up and I don't want to like dumb it down for a live performance. And we want to make sure we're tight and everything's cohesive. Like we, we have a really strict bar for ourselves in terms of like how we play live. And I'm, I'm really glad that we do because we're all show goers. Like we go and we see bands and it's almost like homework. You go mm. and see a band. You're like, damn, that is so good. I love that he did that. Uh, it took Nick 
a friend of mine, Lily, hired me to do merch for uh, AFI, A Fire Inside, uh, in Pittsburgh at Stage AE. And so we went down there and Nick went with me to help me sell merch. And so we're like, it was just two bands. It's like whoever the opening band was and AFI and Davey Havoc, the singer for AFI, man, I don't know how old he is. I don't know how old he was when he wrote the songs that he wrote that I grew up listening to in high school. He absolutely crushed. Like I, that's the level of musician I aspire to be whenever we play live. I don't want it to be like, well, it's live. So there's forgivable mistakes. Of course, there's always going to be, that's just the, that's just the nature of the beast. But if you put in the work to make sure you, these bad boys, when you can hear yourself right. and you have the ability to really fully access your range and you warm up and you, you're hydrated and you're in the right place, frame of mind, he just absolutely slayed it. And Pittsburgh is a very interesting crowd from my experience from all my years of touring. They, It's not like they don't get good shows. They're just a different breed of people down there. Yeah. Philly's the same way. I feel the same way about Philly. I feel the same way about Buffalo. These like little hub cities. But Pittsburgh's a really good one. And people show up and they they kind of go nuts. It's like they know how like those showgoers know how to let loose and have a good time. Yeah, and uh, and really invest themselves into the show. And as a performer, you feed off of the crowd. So if it's a dead crowd, that is the roughest damn experience you can possibly put yourself through. Yeah, because it's almost like you have to fight the crowd to get them to start waking up or whatever. And uh, <laughs> and you don't want to be in that position. But sometimes you, you're thrown there whether you like it or not. And yeah, you yeah. have to rise to that occasion. But man, Davey Havoc, AFI, absolutely crushed it as of two weeks ago. So I hope he, I I, I want to be able to see him when I'm not working a gig and be able to like uh, fully observe, but just sitting there listening. I'm like in the back slinging merch and selling their t-shirts and hoodies <laughs> and stuff and just singing singing along and wow. just like dancing in behind the merch table. That's I had the so biggest good. merch table because they were the headliner. So it's a huge area. It was just a, wow. an absolute blast. But that's like the aspire, like to me, do you watch other pastors? Like do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pastors we'll, we'll watch and I'll take, you know, illustrations, different things, you know, um, you know, one person said like, even the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So a lot of that is right. just taking what has been done. Yeah, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Not going to reinvent the wheel. So take it and, and change it. Um, you know, don't copy it because what works there doesn't work here. Like yeah. it's, it just, it just doesn't work that way. And that's an understanding. Like when you um, figure that out, you can start to finesse things in ways where oh, yeah. you can mold them and yeah. shift them a little and, bit. And people can see that. Like they'll see it from a mile away. Yeah, you, it's, it's you try, You try to do that. And, and that's, like I said before, when I tried to maybe be somebody that I wasn't because it, it worked for them. It didn't work. Like, oh, yeah. it just, it just makes <laughs> That's a you fundamental truth altogether. Yeah. It just makes you look like an idiot. Um, yeah. So we, we learn, uh, from people that have, have done it and they've done it well. Um, and, uh, we try to, to see how it can help us in, in our local community. Yeah. You don't want to steal, but there's something to be said for borrowing influence. Like there are things that are going to speak to you that you're going to be like, I know why and how I'm going to integrate that into the way I do things yeah. in a way that will work for me. And then, and I believe will work for others as well. Yeah. hundred percent. And that to me, that is the art of collaboration in this. And like, uh, at the end of my audio intro tag, I'll play it for you after, after we're done here. Um, I borrowed a quote from Rick Rubin where he was on a podcast and he says, we're always collaborating at all times with the universe. And man, does that feel true? Cause I feel like as a songwriter, you, it, you raised on all these influences as a pastor, you're raised on all these influences you've had. I don't know. Can you, could you count how many sermons you've been to in your life? No. So, but whether you like it or not, they, different ones have, have infected your brain and oh, integrated themselves into you so in ways true. that are maybe not as 
uh, surface level, easy to pick out, but are absolutely a part of the equation that is Josh Simonetti. Hundred percent. And and to me, like that that barring that that that's a true collaborative spirit. Is like you're trying to put on much like I'm trying to do what's best for every song that I'm writing. I want whatever serves the song best is what's going to happen. Yeah, is what's going to go into the effort behind it. Same for you. And you're going to give, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to preach like you're going to make sure that this is the best it can be because you only get that once right. once Sunday's over. It's like you, you can't redo it. It's that's already right. out there. Yeah. So like that's the goal. 100%. And so I, I love, you know, knowing now more intimately behind the scenes, like how your process works. I, I've always been fascinated by, you know, you every week you, you show up with the right attitude. I don't think I've ever seen you not be like upbeat i'm sure eventually you're gonna have some of these like downtrodden <laughs> somber kind of days but i i don't look forward to it and, no. and and i much rather and enjoy seeing you when you're what i view as in your prime and you're out there and you're really connecting to people and doing the thing that you do best like you're yeah. a really uh powerful motivational speaker in that regard and i think you're really helping people and again, I mean, thanks for coming on and, oh, and doing this with me today. I was really glad to have oh, you on. Dude. I know we had to schedule it around a couple we times. Did. And, we did. I work. was not going to, like, we're not going to miss this again. So, uh, <laughs> but dude, super excited for you and what's ahead for you and just love your creativity. You as a person, like you're a visionary, like you're, you're going to dream. Uh, I love dreamers, man. The, those are the people I want to be around. Oh, for sure. Like you, I don't, I don't want to just live in my means like right of course i'm going to be thankful for what i have but i'm going to dream uh and it's believe. good to be around people that have that sort of collective like that that creative spirit that that is something that when i'm around other creatives and other people that are not influencers in the instagram means of the term but in the in their community sense of the term. Like, yeah, yeah. There is just something powerful around being around the movers and shakers in life. It, it's usually uplifting and inspires you to do the same. So true. And I think you have more people doing that and, and rowing in the right direction. You're going to see some really positive and profound changes. That's right. I love that. Josh, man, thanks for coming on, brother. Yo, I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, my man. This Thank awesome. you. Thank you. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. Don't be that guy. Follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I want this podcast to be wherever you are, whenever you need it, just like a reliable wingman or a comforting bowl of mac and cheese. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Die, baby.